This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the 670 Scores, the Mullane Haw Show. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. He covers House Hall like a blanket. Adam Szynski is our producer. So thank you for listening today. You can get us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, or you can watch us on 670 The Score's YouTube page. Dan, what a day at House Hall. Thursday was just more uh, of an example that you have to be fluent in flu speak to understand what's going on with the quarterback situation. Can you help interpret what we heard from the podium? The one quote from Matt Eberflus that I can rubber stamp, verify, confirm, validate is short weeks are hard. That's it. Short weeks are hard. And sometimes they're they're very hard. And as it relates to the Bears quarterback situation, all we got on Wednesday was a little bit more of confusing messaging uh, leading us down the path to Tyson Bajan starting his fourth consecutive game against the Panthers on Thursday night at Soldier Field. I feel like I've got a lot to get off my chest in this episode, David, and it's going to be really interesting to kind of weave and navigate through it all. Um, and and today's uh, events up in Lake Forest only add to, to some of the, 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 the mystery and the confusion and the lack of clarity that continues to come out of there. Let's get it started with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. So, Dan, I'll just say this. I'm a little surprised that Justin Fields was either – doubtful or ruled out i'm a little surprised that his thumb has taken a little bit longer to heal than i anticipated based on what we saw him throwing and maybe a little surprised that if he's going to miss a fourth game why they didn't use the injured reserve designation but i guess i won't be surprised if at the 11th hour there's some something happens the way this bear season has gone and he's active and maybe comes in and uh it comes in the seventh inning and closes out of, of bears victory i don't know what to expect but I'll let you take it from here because you were there during a yet another press conference where it was as clear as mud. Well, we're going to get to that very quickly here in a second because I think we need to set the stage with that. And thankfully, Adam Stadzinski, our stud producer, has, has cut up that audio and, and made it available to us. I will tell you, as it relates to IR for the remainder of the season, one thing to keep in the back of your head is that the Bears are only allowed to bring eight players in a given season off of injured reserve after they've placed them on injured reserve and then they designate them to return. They have already gone through that list with all of the guys that they've had to go through the first half of the season on IR and bring them off. And so now they have to just deal with the the, the ramifications of that. As it relates to Justin's thumb, why don't we just give Matt Eberflus the stage, which he had on Wednesday afternoon at House Hall after the Bears had officially declared Justin doubtful and the head coach was brought up to explain exactly where they were at with Justin's return. Studs, take it away. Let Matt Eberflus take the stage. On, on Justin Fields, uh, he's progressing every day. He is not medically cleared um, yet. 
and uh, Bajan will be our starter for this game, and Peterman uh, will back him up. Understanding what Justin's limitations still are right now. Yeah, like I said, he's not medically cleared to go um, right now, and uh, he's getting better though. I mean, he's he's uh, accuracy's improving. He's throwing it better, and you know he's starting to do more and more and more. So uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. And right now, we're listening to him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. If is he, if he's doubt if he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful versus out? Yeah, just to see, we got to give him one more day. Give him one more day. But he's uh, he's working hard, and uh, it's getting better every day. So we'll see where it goes. He's not playing tomorrow. Yeah, he's not playing. What hasn't the medical staff seen? Given the clearance yet? What is it? What are they telling you? What's that? What, what is the medical staff telling you in terms of why they haven't given him the clearance? Yeah, it's uh, it's really just uh, the clearance is uh, just you know obviously he's got to be cleared to play with the medical staff you know and so it's really about him feeling good about it and the medical staff saying that he can go in there and function and uh, he's just not there at this time. Is it an issue of grip strength, or it's everything? It's it's all it's it's all improving. You know the grip strength, the, the accuracy, that you know the the ability to function as a quarterback. It's just it's all right there. It's it's getting close. I'm just I'm not I'm having trouble understanding. He's he's not playing, but he's doubtful. There's is he out or doubtful? He now he's listed as doubtful. But you're saying that he's out. He's not going to play. We'll see where it goes. Uh, the chances are doubtful, 51% that he's in or out, and uh, it's going to be – we'll see where it is. We got a little time left, but, uh, again, we'll declare him out when he's out. Uh, right now we're still listening to him as doubtful. But he, will he go through any sort of pregame work tomorrow? He may. He may. Yeah, he may. It depends on what happens here in the next uh, 24 hours. We'll see where it goes. The Matt Eberflus story, David. I like. I, I walked out of that room as I often do at nineteen twenty football drive, dizzy. It's everything. It's all said. Matt Eberflus. He he referenced grip strength. He referenced accuracy. He referenced functionality. But I asked multiple times for some specifics and some clarity on what the doctors are saying on why he's not cleared. And as you heard there, there's not a whole lot of answers there. Where I am given pause in in those answers is who is putting up the stop sign here? Who is activating the red light? Is it the doctors? Is it the coaching staff? Is it Justin himself? I don't have clarity on that right now as we sit here. I don't know if Justin Fields says, look, I'm just not ready for this. I don't know if the doctors are saying he's just not able to do it. I don't know if the coaches are watching and practice and going, that's not ready for it. And so it, it, it leaves us to, to ask big picture questions, which are significant for this franchise about what is taking so long, as you asked in the opening, and, and why we haven't gotten over the hurdle. Again, short weeks are hard. I said all along that it was going to be difficult in this short week to get ready to play a football game, but I w- was fully expecting uh, better answers and more clarity than we got there. It's a 2-7 and seven football team. I, I don't know why there has to be such a commitment to uh, complication. And it's wacky. It seems to be at House Hall, and my sense is that they're they're trying to exercise a little bit of gamesmanship and, and maybe that underscores how important it is that the Bears cannot lose, cannot lose to the Carolina Panthers, one of the worst teams in football. And especially with the real draft implications of the draft, we're not going to talk about for a while yet because <laughs> it's way too early. But I do think that that underscores why it's it's important. And I also just wonder if it comes down to yet another example of somebody who is just a football lifer but just not very skilled at presenting himself behind the microphone, which is definitely uh, not not is not exclusively Matt Eberflus's problem. We see it all the time. It's just like he's been overmatched by too many moments 
publicly to to be surprised. But I think that we all are a little bit still surprised at how bad the Bears are at this. You're a charter franchise in the most popular sports industry in the United States of America, possibly the world. Uh, You are the head coach in a major media market. You have people in your building hired to help you uh, avoid stepping in these potholes. And, and consistently, every single week, we have some episode where we're left scratching our heads. I got a text from uh, an executive in the league. I, I've told you about this more than once this season. And it just said, who boy. And this was somebody that had just stumbled across the clips of what we just played there on social media uh, <laughs> while taking a break at, at work this evening and, and can't understand how it's always this bad. It also takes away from the more important discussions we need to have here, which are about Justin Fields and his future. They are about just uh, Tyson Bajan and his start Thursday against the Carolina Panthers and what Tyson had to say to us for 10 minutes and his back and forth uh, up there at Hell's Hall, which I thought was illuminating and, and revealing and, and certainly uh, important to to take note of, which we can get to in a few minutes here. But obviously, uh, you know, continue to, to, to say what you need to say on, on how just mystifying this this continued well, clumsiness is. No, the only other thing that I, I would, you know, say and, and we can move on to Bajan because I'm curious what you think about what he what he said. But look, my, my my day job is obviously dealing with all of the Chicago sports all the time. And it's impossible in a week like this to not compare and contrast. And I, and I just you know, the biggest story in Chicago is the, the fact the Cubs fired David Ross. and They hired Craig Council. That, that 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 was a difficult needle to thread. And Jed Hoyer, who is to me one of the most skilled executives in any sports city in America, was able to not only execute that cubby coup, as I referred to it, but then get in front of the microphones in the Cubs media and the national baseball media and explain and articulate exactly what happened and why, how difficult it was, but how necessary he thought it was, and communicate like a professional communicates. That's how you handle a big market media. That's how you handle a big boy job. That was impossible in a week like this, not to compare and contrast how the Cubs understand how to manage perception and how the Bears remain lost in the weeds. Messaging is important. The command of messaging is important. The uh, way that your franchise is perceived in the world is important. And I just give you those two words, whoo boy, as it relates to the 2023 Chicago Bears, who now go to play a one and seven football team at home on a Thursday night stage. Again, this is another national broadcast on Amazon tomorrow that will bring more eyes to who the Chicago Bears are and where they're headed. Can they put their better foot forward uh, on that stage on Thursday night on the field down by Lake Michigan? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So let's talk about that before we get to your numbers game. Tyson Bajan, he did speak as well. It will be his fourth start. He had three great quarters and one real disastrous one against the Saints. He opposes Bryce Young, who's had his own struggles, Dan. I know it sounds absurd maybe, but when you look at the quarterback matchup, if it's Bajan versus Young, who has the advantage? Well, look, the guy who has the advantage is whoever's offensive line decides to protect them more. I think whichever quarterback has the opportunity to play from within a calm pocket for the the, the ability to play uh, on schedule and with with an opportunity to, to be comfortable is going to have the advantage. This Tyson Bajan conversation has gotten sideways, and this quarterback conversation in this city has gotten sideways. And and I, I enter this podcast tonight a little bit worried because we still have half a season left. There are still eight games for the Chicago Bears to play, and we're going down a same similar path as we went down last year where it got so sideways that all of a sudden it just became a shouting match for people to, to scream their realities into existence. And it's driving me crazy this week to hear – uh, on social media and different forums, how, how this thing has gotten askew. And what I think is fair in regards to to measuring Tyson Bajan in his fourth start is to understand that he's making a fourth start of his career a year after coming out of Shepherd University. I think Tyson, to his credit today, talked about the understanding that obviously four turnovers in a football game is unacceptable and it will lose you football games. And if you ever commit four turnovers again in a, in a football game, your career suddenly starts to go down a, a shoot that you don't want it to go down. But I think when you talk to Bears coaches, when you talk to people around the league and they understand that part of the growth process in this league for a young rookie quarterback is understanding who you are within the confines of this league, you hear a very honest self-assessment from Tyson Bajan about, okay, I'm not only playing against, I think as he said today, physical specimens, but guys who rarely make mistakes, guys who can take a, a, a small error that you make and t- turn an incompletion into a takeaway, guys that can, can really expose your flaws. And so now you have to learn to compensate for that. You have to use your strengths and accentuate your strengths, and you have to limit your weaknesses and, and, and play the football game in a way like Tyson Bajan played for three quarters in New Orleans before the catastrophic fourth quarter. I think it's only fair to perform a, a performance review of Tyson and Bajan on who he is and where he's at in his development. The same way that I'm not going to judge my soon-to-be five-year-old daughter on how she swims versus how my 11-year-old son or soon-to-be 11-year-old son swims in the deep end of the pool. They're at different stages of their growth curve. And so you, you, you judge them differently and you gauge what they do well and what they don't do well. Tyson Bajan deserves a little bit more fairness than I think he's gotten this week after an avalanche of criticism. I know that I'm going to get heavy backlash and, and pushback for that, but I'm curious what you think. I don't think it's backlash or criticism. I, I think that uh, I don't consider it criticism to assess Tyson Bajan as a quarterback that has shown us maybe what his ceiling could be. And I, and I don't think it's premature after three starts or three and a half starts to project him as a competent NFL backup quarterback. Could he start in certain situations? Yeah, I would not rule that out. It's the NFL. I, I don't I don't see, but I, I also sometimes have a blind spot where I, I feel like, you know, objectivity, I, I under I, I forget sometimes how 
trying to be objective and assess Tyson Bajan as a quarterback and understanding that, you know, when you say he has limited arm strength and that showed in how he's unable to assess how quickly corners can close the gap. And that's why that interception happened and how he's unable to, to obsess this coverage. And he got fooled. And that's why that interception happened and, and how these objective analyses of his game can be construed as criticism in the eyes of some people who want so badly for him to succeed. That's the problem here. I, I, when I, when I'm evaluating Tyson Bajan, I, I don't really, and I, not just me, but I think, it's not you're not doing it in the in the name of wanting to be right about something or, or wanting to something right. to come true. I really don't gain or lose anything from Tyson Bagent being a starter or a backup. But I think honestly, he looks to me based on my experience, based on my football sense and history and ex- whatever. He looks to me like a guy that could be a backup. But I don't know that I would feel good about him as my starter. I don't know that I'm going to win the Super Bowl with him as a quarterback. See, that's why I think that you know I'm good. With what I've seen, he could improve. I'm not dying to see what he has next. If he has to start Thursday against the Panthers, fine. But I don't have unrealistic expectations about what he is or who he can be. I just think for two years, the quarterback conversation in this city has been supercharged and hypersensitive and that people just overreact to every little bit of performance review that is done positively or negative on either side of any quarterback that steps on the field for the Chicago Bears. And, it, and it's just it's gotten exhausting for me because then people create these these. I don't know, want to call them false narratives or boogeyman's or whatever they are. And there's just this whole uh project of trying to construct the reality that that feels comfortable for you you know and and it's just like just as you've talked about before performance reviews are 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 through an honest lens are just that they're performance reviews and so uh Bajent will have one more performance at least against the Panthers on Thursday night we'll see what he does there and then we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program with Justin Fields who suddenly now during his 25 day you know soon to be four game layoff has taken on a, a, a new life of his own again amongst people that want to say, you know, the last time he finished a game, he threw four touchdowns. Well, yeah, but, and then he started the next week, and he had 58 yards through two and a half quarters of a game against the Vikings and got hurt taking a sack. And so, yes, we'll get back to that, Justin uh, Fields' performance review. But don't suddenly create this, this, this false depiction of a quarterback who was in a groove for a month. You know, he, he had two decent games and then a terrible half against the Vikings. And we've got to get back to, to evaluating him on whether he deserves to be here in 2024 and beyond. The bears are going to have to decide in the spring of next year, whether to guarantee him $25 million plus to be there on their roster in 2025, not 2024, 2025. And so that judgment and that evaluation of Justin Fields has to be done through an honest lens, a sober lens, a lens that that is rooted in reality and fact-based evidence and time right like that we've seen over time justin fields will miss his 11th start on thursday night he has won six games in the national football league he's approaching double the amount of missed games as he has victories and so let's get back to that programming let's see if that can change in the final half of the season but let's also not create this this false fantasy land that he was on his way to becoming uh, the, the franchise quarterback that everyone wants him to be and 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 the, these people that pull out the stats of his last 17 starts well, yeah, he's missed five games in there, you know, soon to be six with, with, with this with this game against the Panthers. And so really it's an 11 game statistical analysis that you should be doing, because the last I checked an NFL season is 17 games. And so, like, I just like I, I can't do the fantasy land stuff anymore. And, and that's part of what I'm getting off my chest tonight. I get that. I think that's well said. And, you know, absence has made a lot of 
people grow fonder, fonder, fonder of, yeah. of uh, Justin Fields and he's become somewhat of a sympathetic figure. Whereas people do tend to forget, yeah, he had back-to-back four touchdown games, but that was followed up by a really shaky half against Minnesota Vikings in which he got injured. So well said. I think that um, my sense is that the, the, the quarterback the Bears end up arriving at as – the, the the one projected to take them where they need to go and in, in you know win the Super Bowl. I don't think he's on the roster yet, but the final you know seven eight games of the season allows Justin Fields a chance for further evaluation and Tyson Bajan an opportunity to prove a lot of people wrong if they have put an artificial ceiling on his future. Last thing for me, I can tell you this conversation has been had in the media room at Hallis Hall. There is an exhaustion, and I know it it permeates the fan base. The idea of rebooting at coach and quarterback again is is it's physically exhausting, I think, for people. It's a fatigue that goes with, okay, so now we're just going to take a leap of faith on two more guys after the last five at both positions, quarterback and head coach have have failed as as badly as they have. Now we gotta we gotta get back in that car and drive that to to a supposed destination that may or may not exist. And and so like because we're in you know midway through the year, it's only November, we still got two plus months of the season, we still got five plus months until draft weekend, as you mentioned at the outset. My God, the level of exhaustion that comes with having to constantly press the fast forward button rather than just hitting play on the now is there. I mean, how many people are looking forward to Thursday night's game against the Panthers? Not Al Michaels. (laughs) You know, but Dan, I think you're right. I think you're right. But if, if people didn't believe, I mean, if people got tired of falling in love, there would be no dating apps. I mean, people love, the idea of becoming infatuated with the next quarterback and the next idea. And I know you're fatigued and I get it. And a lot of fan base is, is overwrought and overtired about this process. I just interviewed Eric Kramer, who still holds a single season passing record <laughs> of 1995. Okay. So I understand it, but I do think that that won't prevent whether it's Ryan Poles or his replacement or whoever from going down a road if neither Justin Fields shows anything in the final seven games or Tyson Bajan looks like the answer, they're going to do it again. They're going to go, they're going to swipe right or swipe left and they're going to try it again. And they're going to see if that match is one that can be lasting and impactful. By the way, that single season uh, record is the lowest of any franchise that's ever played NFL football. So (laughs) that's a good segue into our numbers game. Let's do that. When we get our predictions, that's uh, Adam Sadinsky will join us. In our numbers game. All right, so we'll bring in studs. Before we do that, um, to make our predictions, Dan, every week in the ChicagoTribune.com, you have a numbers package. What is this week's highlight? Almost every week. This week, short weeks are hard. This package did not appear in the Chicago Tribune, but I still have three numbers for you tonight. Great. And I'm going to start with one in 10. That is the record under Matty Reflus's Bears head coach that the Bears have had in one score games. They've been outscored 76 to 40 in the fourth quarter of those 11 games. Last week was obviously the 10th loss uh, by one score in a game where the Bears were outscored seven to nothing in the fourth quarter and committed turnovers on three of their four offensive possessions. It is a sign and evidence that this team has not broken through and the ability to meet game-on-the-line moments and get it done. Wow. That's that's pretty stunning. Um, do, did you have another thought before we get to the next number? I, I, we, we got out of the last segment for Bryce Young. Do you have ideas on why he has struggled? Do you think that the Panthers realize they made a colossal mistake? Did they make a colossal mistake in not taking C.J. Stroud first? 
Look, I, I think that the Panthers have a quarterback that's seven starts into his rookie season, you know, and, and this is part of the problem that I'm talking about when everybody wants to make grand long-term judgments and conclusions on guys when they've, they've had two months to try to figure this league out. You know, Bryce Young uh, was obviously knocked heavily coming out for his size. 5'10", 204 pounds, I think he's listed at. Uh, he, he's been sacked 26 times this year. Uh, I, I've talked to some people in Carolina that say the durability hasn't been an issue through the, through the first half of the season and that uh, you know this is just part of a rookie quarterback trying to f- find his way behind a, a, a shaky offensive line without – he's had great chemistry with Adam Thielen, who's got 62 catches. That's a number that I could have given you in the numbers game. Um, and and he'll do his best on, on Thursday to put his best foot forward. I think you just have to wait probably two years before you jump to conclusions on whether they they have great regret on not taking C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. And and obviously, they're going to try to put together the best developmental plan to get this rookie uh, on a path that, that takes them somewhere. I'm with you. And I think people do jump to conclusions and, and try to form them quickly, certainly in today's uh, society. But I, I also think the, the one of the reasons they're doing that with Bryce Young is that the Panther organization, much like the Bears organization, has lost the benefit of the doubt, especially in the last year. When you think about the moves they have made, they traded Christian McCaffrey. Yep. They traded DJ Moore. They got out of the number one. I mean, they they went into the number one overall pick, and then they arguably, in many people's mind, didn't pick the guy that got off the quickest start in terms of quarterbacks. When guy, Those guys were relatively even, so it Agreed. was maybe a judgment call. When you lose the benefit of the doubt as a football franchise – it, it takes a while to regain that trust and faith. Yeah, no question about it. And and we'll see what he looks like. I, I'm, I'm interested to watch him play up close and personal at Soldier Field on Thursday night. My second number for you, David, tonight, we'll get, we'll get through these last two quickly. 28th, that's the Carolina Panthers' rank against the run this season. They're a bottom five rushing defense, giving up 131.8 rushing yards per game, 4.43 per rush. There have been six opposing players this year that have reached 75 yards uh, against the Panthers, including two. Both former Bears, David Montgomery and Raheem Mostert, who topped 100 against them. So it should be a night where Deontay Foreman in the running game can be an asset to Tyson Bajan in the offense, and they can lean on that a little bit to try to play the game on their terms. It's a good one. What's the last one? Last one is one. It's the passes attempted this season by Carolina Panthers punter Johnny Hecker. We all know Johnny Hecker (laughs) as the guy who is now up to 24 pass attempts in his career. He's thrown for 193 yards in his career. He's got a touchdown and interception. His one Pass attempt this year was a completion. It was a fake punt. It was a fourth down play. Seven-yard completion to LaVisca Chenault, but it was stopped one yard short of the line to gain, and so it did not result in a first down for former Bears special teams coordinator Chris Tabor. When Johnny Hecker is on the field, you always have to be ready for the possibility of a pass. Also, this gives me a segue into telling you that Brad Biggs was highly pressuring Bears special teams coordinator Richard Hightower to turn loose the first fake of his tenure as Bears special teams coordinator during the the, uh, back and forth on Tuesday. Richard said that if the Bears do turn loose a fake, they will name it in Biggs' honor. Just something to keep an eye on on Thursday. He will be insufferable if that happens. <laughs> we heard the audio on Wednesday morning on the Mullinghaw show, and he did not back down from that. Brad Biggs predicts a fake punt before every punt he's ever watched. So a surprise. He'll finally be right. And you know what? He has to be right about something. He's due. So I, I'm also with Biggs on this, that like when you're uh, whatever their record is now, five and 21 over the last two years, turn one loose, do something fun. Just yeah. do it. Just go for it. 
Why not? Yeah, that that I, I I agree with that. Okay, so that's that'll be fun. Let's bring in Adam Szyzinski to make our predictions. I think this might be a different scenario. Although, by the way, Adam, thirty seconds. You went viral today on Thursday. <laughs> you said, "Okay, enough, Tyson Bajan. Why? What? Why did you leave the Bajancy? What do you have against Shepherd University? Why do you hate the football?" <laughs> I hope it. I hope that I didn't be construed as me leaving the Bajancy because I was never on the Bajancy. I was just. I was just kind of observing it from. You were the captain of the Bajancy, David. No, you know, I just I had a little pent up for fr- frustration, and I just like came to a realization some point in the fourth quarter Sunday that like I just I I've seen enough. I've seen enough. It's not that I don't think Bajant could eventually be a starter, or do I? I think he's already earned a backup role unless he just completely tanks from here on out. But like it kind of to what you were saying, Dan. It's, it's at least it's alongside of it. This whole season is about was supposed to be about the ultimate part is about evaluating Justin Fields and finding out what he is and what he can do. And is he a franchise quarterback? And are you going to pick up that fifth year option for 2025? And as of right now, we don't have that answer because he's not on the field and we need to get back to answering that damn question. Plus he's better than Tyson Bajan. He gives them a better chance to win in most games. And I want to see him play again. So I, it's really, so it, see, it started coming out of me again. It, it really, in the, in the, the little thing that went viral, had, had, I think it's 35 seconds. Too. With, sorry. <laughs> it had nothing to do with, with, with it being an analytical side. Like I, I even said before, they, it, it wasn't on the clip that's on Twitter or YouTube or anything. I said, I'm going to say something super meatball-y right now. So I was self-aware in what I was doing, <laughs> and, and and it just it just had to it just had to to, to come out of me. So, look, so, I, so I, now I now give us your t- now give us your t- Tyson Bajant wins his second game uh, prediction. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think I got the Bears winning this one, and <laughs> and it come like if the Bears can't find a win, it, look the the Panthers are terrible. They're just not good. They don't have a good off. They don't do anything well, and the Bears have at least one thing they do well, and that's run the ball. Plus, the Panthers are gonna be without their best player in Brian Burns. Like, if the, I, I think I picked the Bears twenty-seven to nineteen. If they can't win this game, then people need to be held accountable on Friday. Like, this is a game. This is like it's you. You, know, you try not to be overly like one game oriented, but like you cannot cannot lose this game. Good prediction. I'll go quick here because I want to get into some DJ Moore stuff in a minute. I have the identical score as Adam Stadzinski. Bears 27, Panthers 19. I don't really need to give you a long-winded uh, recap of why. That's just what the score is <laughs> going to be Thursday night. I'm going 3-3. Three three. Bears 24, Panthers 17. I think Bajan gets his second victory, which will give him more this year than Justin Fields. I think so. He'll have more victories than Justin Fields. I cannot wait for Friday morning's phone calls on the Mullen Haw Show. Neither can studs. <laughs> Dan, Luke Getzey was asked about a play that really bothered me. The third and four, DJ Moore off the field after running deep on second down. I'll let you take it over there because you were in the room. Second to last drive of the fourth quarter last week, as you mentioned, DJ Moore on second down ran a deep route, was uh, overthrown by Tyson Bajan, then was not on the field for a critical third down play. Uh, here is Luke Getzey's response to what happened in that sequence, and then I've got some uh, follow-up on that as well. Took a shot, uh, 
had the coverage that we wanted. Uh, took the shot, slightly overthrown maybe, didn't give him a chance quite, but oh, close enough. Uh, but you're trying to get that 50-50 ball in the sense of down the middle of the field. If we can get the PR, you make the play, you're in great position to go to go win the game. And then, you know, the, uh, players do that all the time. And then the, the guys stepped up. I thought the guys executed the next play really well. I mean, uh, Tyler and Cole did a great job of handling, handling that concept on that side. Tyler was screaming across the field. And we have the utmost confidence in our guys. You know, you, you always want your best players on the field but uh if if that's just something that pops up in that in that moment then the, the next guy's ready to step up why wasn't he in what what causes him to come out there I mean, it's just well i think in that particular moment he probably pulled himself out after running a 60 yard route that's i would imagine that's you know how exactly it happened uh, i don't i don't truly know but i think that's along the lines of what happened so the follow-up on that, David, is we talked to Tyke Tolbert, the receivers coach I did on uh, on Tuesday evening, and then DJ Moore in the locker room on Wednesday, and it is confirmed that DJ Moore, uh, of the two snaps that he sat out <laughs> in Sunday's game against the Saints, that was one of them, and he took himself out, said his legs felt a little heavy after that. I think you can question why uh, at that moment of the game you couldn't have found a way to stay in there, uh, even as a decoy, to, to be in a critical moment play on third down there but that's your answer so i i was able to do some legwork for you for something that bothered you and hopefully we get you uh, i don't know if they're satisfactory answers but we got your answers thank you i appreciate the questions it would not you know when you're not able to get up there or it just it's hard to be as critical without getting deeper into the subject but look i still believe this i mean and, and, and i know no sports are alike if you're if you're in a basketball game and you know DeMar DeRozan is tired and you're the Bulls and you need a basket with, you know, 30 seconds, three minutes left to go. It's a key possession in the context of that game. And he, he may want out. If you're a coach and you recognize that, I, I do think you have to recognize certain downs are bigger than the others. Not every third and four is created equally. I, I would be tempted to take a timeout. I would be tempted to recognize what's going on here yeah, second down, I understand that call, but either DJ Moore has to suck it up and go, or if you are worried about that, I think that you call a timeout and get him the rest he needs and get him into the game. You have a long – you're one score down. There's three minutes to go. If you don't make that third down, you punt. You're on the eight-yard line. Yep. I just don't understand the lack of awareness by a coaching staff that should have it each and every step, and it should be heightened in the final four minutes of every game. Look, I think it took them by surprise, and I think there probably is an element of, whoa, like, you know, you need to I want there. my coaching staff to not be caught by surprise. That's the problem. The Bears are caught off guard as much as any team in the league. I want these guys to be one step ahead, not one step behind. That's the problem with this team. That's the problem with this staff. They're never ahead of the game. Their football IQ is at the lowest part of the league. I sound like Stadinsky now. <laughs> I got you your answer, and I got you triggered, and that's what this podcast is all about tonight. It's Triggered Wednesday here as we preview the Thursday night game. By the way, DJ Moore will play his uh, former team. Uh, he said that he's more juiced up by the Thursday night stage than he is against going against his former team. Doesn't expect it to be that emotional, that he hasn't really looked in the rear view since being traded here in March, that he's very happy here, and he's most happy that a Eventually, this thing's going to get turned. I wish I could take his confidence and invest in it because I don't know that I have the same uh, level of faith that he does. Last thing, Dan, have to ask you this. I've asked it and talked about it on the radio. You've got to beat the Panthers. You've got to keep this team 
down. You want their draft pick to be the first one overall. It means a lot, even though the stakes aren't playoff related and certainly people will be straining themselves to watch and Al Michaels may not stay awake. But if the Bears lose to this Panthers team on Thursday night at home when they're favored, is Matt Eberflus in any danger of losing his job on Friday or over the long weekend? No, I don't think no, I don't think any of that is uh, coming up for discussion anytime soon. I think you just have to buckle in. We've talked about it before, the, some of the reasons that they're going to see this through for a while longer. Uh, and then, you know, we just have to live. We have to live with that as we go forward. It's just as we're going to have to live with some of the inane quarterback conversations that are going to continue. But I am going here right now on behalf of the Take the North podcast and making a pledge that we are going to keep the reality zone of quarterback conversation in check. We are going to orchestrate it as best we can over the final nine weeks of the season and figure out which direction it goes. And yes, hopefully very soon here. As soon as Detroit at Ford Field in week 11, Justin Fields is back on the field trying to give us more uh, concrete answers to the questions that Adam Stanzinski brought up just a few minutes ago. I will agree with you and, and join you in that pledge, but I have to say this. I reserve the right to blow a gasket if I see Nathan Peterman in the game to throw a Hail Mary, okay? Nope. That would be something that would be absurd and ridiculous and would justify any sort of irrational response. No problem. I, I, I will uh, grant you the right to have that blow up the next time that that happens. All right. So we will be back on Sunday. I'm sorry. Thursday night, Dan will be um, busy on deadline. We'll determine we're going to have a, a postgame podcast reaction. We'll determine who's available and who's <laughs> up and who's on deadline and who beats deadline. whatever. We'll be here. So to I, just so you know, I'm out for tomorrow night, but I'm doubtful. We'll see where it goes. Okay. Thank you, Flucy. I'm not fluent in uh, Weederer speak, but um, Flucy speak is just as confusing. So we'll figure it out, but you'll find us at, on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Check it out tomorrow night after the game. I'm sorry, Thursday night, tonight, as you read, <laughs> as you listen to this podcast. I'm confused. I sound like Matt Eden flu suddenly. Go get a drink. So for Adam Sadzinski, for Dan Weeder, I'm David Hall. For the Take the North podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Great talks to you out there.